0: On Sunday, props
1: and sitting pretty on a Monday. Props and you know it's pitting and, beer with props and, and, props and NFL week 14 prop bets and hitman. This week's board has more than half of the matchups pitting division rivals against one another. Generally, that level of familiarity between division foes leads to shorter point spreads and lower totals from a prop betting standpoint. How much of an impact do we see when we get such a heavy divisional slate as this?
0: I tend to like it just because I do have some data points on how these teams match up against each other, how they played against each other the first game of, of the season, maybe how they've played against each other in the past. And usually what will happen is a lot of bettors don't want the data points. They want the uncertainty because when there's uncertainty, that means that the sportsbooks are uncertain as well. And that as a a pro better, typically you can price uncertainty better than the sports books can. So the rematches, some people might say, Oh, well, the books are more aware, but you know, I, I tend to think that the books are not as aware of like priors and everything on like, Oh, this specific receiver against this specific division foe when they play the division foe plays a certain type of coverage and this receiver tends to do well. I, I I feel like that, at least in the opening lines, that's not accounted for as much. Now, maybe if other handicappers are using that in, in their models and their projections, then the line can get bet in the place. But at least in the openers, uh, I think that it, it's it's a benefit. In my opinion, to, to have these rematches. Well, staying on that topic,
1: few division rivals more familiar with one another than the Ravens and the Steelers under the long tenures of Tomlin and Harbaugh. And I want to look at Mark Andrews in this game specifically. I know he's going to be popular among prop betters this week. His receiving yardage currently lined at 56 and a half. And on one hand, last year, Tyler Huntley had a pretty good connection with Andrews when those two played together. And on the other hand, this week, some health questions with Andrews. We're not sure how close to 100% he's going to be come Sunday. Hitman, any thoughts on Andrews receiving yards over under 56 and a half?
0: I think if you like over, you play it now. This is going to be a very, very popular play amongst services and influencers that are are moving some of these lines. Um, Mark Andrews actually opened at 51 and a half receiving yards went up to 53 and a half. And it's just been steadily climbing up just a little bit. There were services giving out the, the draft Kings only lines on um, Andrew's over. And it's been just moving it just very steadily. And I think that by the time, like I said, Sunday, it's going to be more popular. It wouldn't stun me if it closed in the low sixties. Now, at 56 and a half, am I getting involved personally? I mean, I, I like it. I'm a little bit concerned over the fact that Andrews has been banged up and he hasn't had the same production since he's been banged up. And even last week, like his line was 58 and a half. And right before game day, there was a big move on him where he closed like 51 and a half. And usually I'll know where those line moves originate from. If it was a service that moved it or something, but I didn't know on this one. So it, it, it just made me a little nervous that maybe somebody has injury info on him or, or but I don't know. It, it's just basically I, I might be cautious on the Andrews overs. Everybody all over the Tyler Huntley, Andrews thing but I will say that if you are going to bet on an Andrews over you got to do it sooner rather than later because it would not surprise me at all by the time kickoff comes that you're going to see this in the low 60s so at in the mid 50s 56 and a half 57 and a half if you like the over my, my best recommendation would be play it now and if you like the under I would wait until probably 15 minutes before kickoff
1: Moving on to another divisional matchup. Again, that'll be a pretty common theme given this week's card. The Eagles traveling to MetLife Stadium to take on Jacob's Giants. On edge rush, hit man, you mentioned the Giants playing a lot of man defense. And that could potentially open up some opportunity for a couple of key players in the Eagles offense. Jalen Hurts, rushing yards, currently lined at 47.5. And and also looking down the menu a bit, his longest rush lined at 14.5. Slightly juiced to the over at minus 120. And then AJ Brown receiving yards lined at 71 and a half longest reception lined at 25 and a half. Any inclination given the schematic and talent matchups on the field between the Eagles and giants to look towards hurts or Brown's overs at those numbers.
0: I think Brown is the guy that I'm going to be looking at. The one thing that scares me is the game flow concern. Seven point favorite giants are not a good offense that can put pressure on this Eagles passing game but with that said Jalen Hurts last week I know some of it was matchup driven but in a game where they controlled that game uh, at least in the fourth quarter it was complete control Jalen Hurts attempted uh, a lot of passes last week He, he threw season high 39 passes um Adore Jackson is still likely out for the Giants And the Giants, they have not changed their stripes with the corner injuries. They have still continued to play that man coverage, heavy blitzing. And over the last two weeks without Dory Jackson, they allowed 105 and 106 receiving yards to Terry McLaurin and C.D. Lamb, who are the wide receiver ones on their respective teams. So if the Giants are going to continue to play that coverage, and A.J. Brown against man coverage has been the guy for the Eagles – Against the Blitz, A.J. Brown has just not been the guy for the Eagles, but he's been the guy for like the league, one of of the top guys getting targets for the entire league. So I think that if you are going to identify a a Philly guy to attack, it would be A.J. Brown over 71 and a half, but with just a little steer of caution about the the, the passing volume because of the lead that they might have, but I, I still like it. And if we're going to be
1: a little bit cautious with AJ Brown, I want to see how cautious you'll be with an approach that I believe you took last week, taking us to the next game, the Browns traveling to Cincinnati and Deshaun Watson looks the part of a guy who hadn't taken an NFL snap in 700 days, his accuracy all over the board last Sunday. We'll see how much he can recover in that area in week two for him this season Hitman, any, general big picture looks at Cleveland passing or receiving unders or perhaps some rushing overs as Deshaun Watson works his way back into form?
0: Yeah, so it was my biggest position of last week was anti-Browns passing and pro-Cleveland running. Um, I didn't get there with Nick Chubb. I did get there with, I was on some Watson unders all across the board, completions, attempts. Uh, Longest completion under. um, I was on some Donovan Peoples Jones unders, some Amari Cooper unders. A little bit of an adjustment this week, you know. um, Watson it it closed around 240. His pass yards was now seeing 225. Yes, it's a lot tougher of a matchup against the Bengals. But then on the other hand, six point underdogs. You're going to be throwing more from behind in contrast to being a seven point favorite against Houston. So think there's been an adjustment I still think the only way that I could play it is Watson unders and maybe I'll try to there's only yards out right now maybe I'll try to get involved in another way maybe it's a Browns receiver maybe it's a Deshaun Watson but I think that the unders are probably still in play until we see something different from Deshaun Watson I mean the in the preseason he struggled And I know it was only a few snaps and everything, but I remember watching it and it was really, he was really inaccurate. And you heard some of the reports going into the game, like the NFL Network's Browns reporter was saying a lot of highs, some lows or whatever. It wasn't as encouraging of a report as I wanted to hear pregame game about Watson. They were saying, yeah, they're going to get him some easy completions, not ask him to do much, run the ball and everything. I think that's probably going to be the game plan again, because just one, it's not going to knock off the rust from missing 750 days or or whatever it was and not getting the, the type of chemistry with these receivers that he needed i mean uh, only baker mayfield that's the only guy that doesn't need any practice time with his guys Uh, but (laughs) but um yeah i I would i'm looking towards some browns anti-passing game i don't know if i get involved with watson pass yards but uh, i'll maybe try to find a spot to, to get involved i'm just not sure what that spot is yet
1: Similar angle for wholly different reasons in the next game I want to touch on. Houston at Dallas, the Cowboys a half point favorite in this one. And that to me screams out ultimate free roll on game script. Should the Cowboys amass a lead, they'll probably be looking to take the air out of the ball over much of the second half. So Hitman, does that open the opportunity? Looking at the Cowboys, similar to the Browns, again, for very different reasons, perhaps some Dallas passing or receiving unders or rushing game overs.
0: Yeah. I mean, a lot of times, I mean, the books are aware of this and they will adjust numbers based off of this. It's just, sometimes you just have to find like, all right, did they over adjust sometimes or maybe they under adjusted. So you kind of have to see the numbers to kind of get a feel for, for what you think um, the over adjustment or under adjustment was Um, obviously like, yeah, the basic strategy is going to be like, Hey, I, I, Dak might not throw as much. And I know the Texans for the year, like quarterbacks have not done much against them from like passing yards, metric. from all those counting stat metrics. Efficiency, they've been great. But those stat counting stat metrics, they haven't been as good just because they don't get any volume because teams just run the ball against them and they're, they're up. So, I mean, Dak Prescott has – been, I don't want to say game manager because he's obviously a lot better than a game manager. And when he is asked to play, to throw the ball a ton, he will do fine. But his numbers haven't been amazing the past few weeks just because they played Minnesota. Game script went against them, played the Giants. Game script went against them, played the Colts. They won the fourth quarter by 7 million points. So I, I'd probably lean towards Dallas pass game unders and rush game overs, like you said. But just remember, you just have to you just have to see the numbers to, to get an idea if it was accounted for enough.
1: One number I'm also waiting to see, but a more specific bet on the other side of the ball, with the Cowboys pass rush likely picking up ahead of steam if they do have a big lead and the Texans are forced into passing situations, playing from a deficit, especially in the second half. Pretty interested in a yes on Davis Mills to throw an interception. Again, I'm not seeing much availability on this one yet. But if I were to guess, I'd say it's probably going to be posted in the minus 125, minus 130 range. Hitman, does that number sound about right for this prop? And if that is in the ballpark, any thoughts on the handicap behind a
0: yes on David Mills to throw a pick? I think it's going to be higher, to be honest. I know he was... I think he was the favorite to, to lead the league in interceptions before he got benched. And now he's back in there. So this is, is a guy that will turn the ball over, but I think it's going to be higher. Um, I mean, if it does come in at a price range like that, I, I like the handicap that he's going to be under so much pressure. They're going to be throwing from behind. He could easily see a ton of passing attempts in this game. So and obviously, I don't think they're going to go back to Kyle Allen after what's happened. You have Brandon Cooks and Nico Collins out for this game. I mean, the the deck is it's stacked against them. I mean, I could theoretically see it, but uh, I think that the price probably comes in a little bit higher than what you just said
1: anticipating a higher price off the top of your head, is there a number up to which you would consider playing this? Or do you think that it's going to be priced correctly? Maybe one of those cases where good handicap, but unless it's about 130 or better, it's just probably going to end up being. a Honestly,
0: I, I don't pay as much attention to that market as I should. So it's hard for me to to accurately say, like I wish I could just remember what the week to week prices were. On, a, on him in previous weeks. And then I would be able to get a better gouge of what it should be. I will say just off the top, this is just off the top of my head. I thought 125, 130 sounded a little cheap. Maybe I thought like minus 160 ish mm-hmm. range. I thought that it would have came in at, but I'm not as familiar with the market as I should be. So I would just maybe see, like see, if it, see how it compares to other, quarterbacks when, when the lines come out, you know, like other quarterbacks that have been prone to interceptions, like Kenny Pickett has been prone to interceptions, Matt Ryan. I know he's not playing this week, but he's been prone to a ton of interceptions. See where Mills comes in comparable to those guys. And if he's comparable to those guys, which are the other like highest turnover prone quarterbacks in the league, then it it might have value. If you feel that you have a strong handicap, but if you see him like 20, 30 cents higher than guys like that, then you probably know that it's accounted for.
1: Sounds good. Plenty to look forward to on both sides of the ball as numbers become more widely available for Texans, Cowboys. And Hitman also want to talk to you about a couple of the Cowboys potential opponents come playoff time in the NFC. Tampa Bay traveling to San Francisco. We've got Mr. Irrelevant, a pretty clear favorite over the GOAT. Go figure this week. But last week in our intro to this show, you mentioned that. Later in the season, prop lines can get a lot tighter. So you tend to look for a bit of chaos to present some opportunity at this stage of the season. And plenty of chaos when it comes to the Niners, a big contender in the NFC, having to make a quarterback change with Jimmy G going down. And now they're down to Brock Purdy. And with that quarterback change, some chaos presenting perhaps some opportunity in San Francisco or Hitman anywhere in this game with the Niners quarterback change. Are you seeing any prop betting opportunity across the board?
0: Yeah, so you know, this game I was look I'm looking at the lines right now and so many of these guys came in so much lower than what we're used to seeing. Like it it's going to it's going to make it appealing for a lot of guys to bet overs in this game and the total's 37 and that's why the the, the lines are so low but like Mike Evans, 49 and a half receiving yards. Like his number has not been that low, like ever for the last years. So it's like, are you really going to play a Mike Evans under at the lowest number that it has been like ever for the, the, the who knows how long in, in his career? If there wasn't injury concerns, guys like George Kittle, I mean. He closed 45-and-a-half last week. I liked him over 42-and-a-half a lot. Uh, didn't get there. He's at 33-and-a-half this week. Brandon Ayuk closed in the high 50s last week. He's 42-and-a-half right now. Like, there's been a big adjustment. And I will say that I think the change hurts the Niners receivers as far as big plays go. Like, I think maybe it hurts Ayuk more than anybody because he is more the vertical threat and the intermediate threat on the Niners and all Brock Purdy, uh, his production for the most part was checkdowns. last week. Now he does have some great checkdown receivers that can turn two yard passes into 20 yard gains and everything. But like a guy like Ayuke isn't that guy. They're going to do that to Debo and to uh, Christian McCaffrey. So I lean towards Ayuke unders, but, Again, like if you're going to bet any under on these guys, like every player I'm looking at, they're at their absolute lowest for the entire season. I'll tell you the line that I thought was absolutely freaking insane. And I'm pissed about it because some it, it got put out by somebody before it really got widely available. I got a little bit down on it, but nothing near what I wanted. And I was going to bet this big. Was they put Chris Godwin at five and a half receptions at minus 140-ish, I think. And I'll read you Chris Godwin's stat lines this year and games that he didn't have to leave because of injury receptions-wise, seven, six, six, seven, six, seven, six, twelve, eight. Is that is that perfect towards the over five and a half, Matt? Is, is my math correct?
1: I think so. I don't like, have a PhD in math, but that sounds like a throw,
0: 100% hit rate. I mean, and, and the thing is about the Niners is like, all right, it's a tough matchup, but the Niners are by far the most vulnerable in, in their defense. The most vulnerable spot is the slot position where Godwin gets all this snap. So I thought that was a great play at five and a half minus 140. I don't think you're going to see five and a halfs again. If you do, it's in the minus 170 range. Probably, Honestly, I'd probably lay it at that number um it's six and a half plus 115 right now that's not equivalent to the five and a half 140 it, it five and a half 140 is way is a lot better than six and a half plus 115 but I I still think that maybe the six and a half plus 115s have some value and maybe the receiver yards on Chris Godwin so it, it's a long story for me to say that in this game, The numbers are so deflated. Every player is at their lowest number of the entire season. I probably would just like to identify one guy maybe to play an over on. And I think that if I do, that it would be Chris Godwin, despite the fact that his number has been bet up a little bit already.
1: And with so many of the passing numbers having been deflated, I'm wondering: Are you seeing some inflation in any rushing numbers for either of these two teams, or is it a straight-up deflation in the passing game? Again, with that low total, just thinking the scoring output and therefore the yardage will be down pretty much across the board.
0: Uh, McCaffrey is around the same number that he is um, that he was last week. Um, he's in. He's at fifty-two and a half now. That's what he was for most of the week until he got bet under a little by a group uh, before kickoff a little bit. And it, it, the under was probably going to win again. Cause I mean, his rushing production hasn't been great for them, but he did have a long run at the the end of that game that did ultimately put him over. But I'm not, I'm not looking to do much with McCaffrey. Um, again, his efficiency hasn't been good. They haven't really been able to run the ball. They haven't asked them as much to run the ball, but also last week we got our first sample size without Elijah Mitchell in the backfield for the Niners and McCaffrey got a lot more usage than we were seeing for when uh, Mitchell was in for the Niners. So probably ends up being a pass for me, but now McCaffrey's number hasn't been suppressed. I, I would assume that maybe Rashad white and Leonard Fournette, when they come up, their numbers are suppressed just a little bit, just because they're three and a half point dogs and it's a really tough matchup. Sounds
1: good. Well, a bit more to come on this game later. We'll tease ahead to what's to come. But for now, let's go ahead and move on to Sunday Night Football, the Dolphins at the Chargers. Hey, man, I want to talk to you about Justin Herbert, his passing yardage currently lined at 288 and a half. And it's looking like center Corey Lindsley trending toward playing. That could be big for giving Herbert some protection that was glaringly absent last Sunday against the Raiders. Mike Williams also looking possibly in line to return. That could be a big way for the Chargers offense to find some ability to stretch the field against the Miami defense that, frankly, is becoming quite a liability as the season progresses. The Dolphins, a good team overall. The offense has been great overall this season, but that defense seems to be trending in the wrong direction. I also think with the Chargers, as a pretty clear underdog in this one, get a bit of a free roll on game script. And with the Chargers defense perhaps missing some key pieces, this game really could turn into a shootout. So I know it's been tough with a lot of short A dot passes this season. Joe Lombardi, quite the governor on this Chargers passing offense. But as I look at this one, I'm seeing a lot of reason for Herbert to potentially have a big game from a passing standpoint. Hitman, any thoughts on Herbert passing yards over 288
0: and a half? Yeah, I mean, there was money on him under last week. And it drove the line a little bit down. He did go over and uh, garbage timer, not garbage time, but comeback mode. He went over for, for the the chargers last week, but um, I'll tell you, I really don't got much of an opinion. I know people are going to jump on the Mike Williams thing and, but I, I don't know. Mike Williams is coming back from an injury that's really tough to come back from for wide receivers. And you even got to see when he came back against the Chiefs, he made it one catch and then he he had to tap out of the game. But I, I think you also monitor the O-line injuries for the Chargers. Who's in? Is Lindsley in? Is Zion Johnson in? Is uh, Pipkin's the right tackle? Is he going to be in? I think you got to mod- I think if you're going to play an over on Herbert, you, you got to. Probably make sure that these linemen, at least you get two of the three, will, will be in the game for the Chargers. I mean, obviously, I'd like to have Mike Williams back in if I'm playing the over, but I'm also not going to fully rely on him just because he is at such a high risk of a re aggravation. So I don't know. I mean, I, I don't have much of an opinion. I kind of like Austin Eckler under 48 and a half rushing yards. Um, the Dolphins' Rundy has been playing a lot better. Again, the O-line issues with um, the Chargers and Eckler just hasn't been the same guy from a, a rushing perspective this season, and they could find themselves in a trailing game script as well. So that was kind of the approach I've taken so far, but with the Herbert stuff, I'm kind of indifferent right now.
1: All right, fair enough. Well, we'll get to some picks on which you're not feeling indifferent this week, but first up, one order of housekeeping – Want to let everybody know Thrive Fantasy is a daily fantasy sports and eSports app for player props. And with Thrive, you can eliminate hours of research and focus on the top tier players that have the biggest impact on the game. Here's how it works. Choose 10 out of the 20 available player props to build your lineup. Each prop is assigned a fantasy value for both the over and the under based on how likely it is to hit. And hit the most props, rack up the most points, and you're in for a share of the prize pool. And speaking of that prize pool, Thrive has over $200,000 in guaranteed prizes weekly. To get in the game, download the Thrive Fantasy app on the App Store or the Play Store, or by visiting their website at www.thrivefantasy.com. And when you sign up, make sure to use that promo code HAMMER today, and you will receive a 100% instant first deposit match up to $100. All right, Hitman. Let's lock in some official plays for the Props and Hops Week 14 portfolio. What do you got for us this week?
0: Uh, let's go with AJ Brown over 71 and a half receiving yards. Uh, we, we spoke about that one already, and I'm looking at some of the other plays that I made. Uh, let's go with Austin Ackler under 48 and a half rushing yards for the Chargers. All right. I like that
1: look on Eckler is a good kind of counterpoint to my look at Herbert over a lot of similar reasons to look that way. If the Chargers are trailing, if it becomes a shootout, they might not be able to do too much on the ground. Not like they've been able to do much on the ground anyway, all season long. Um, So I will be on Eckler with you. And Brown was the prop that I was planning to lock in as well. So I'll be aligned with you on both of those. And at this stage, want to get to not one, but two teasers this week. First up, going to go outside the box a bit. Hitman. I'll be curious for your thoughts on this one. Looking at a seven-point teaser, good up to minus 140. And this would be playing Tampa Bay, up to plus 10.5 at San Francisco, paired with Kansas City, minus 2.5 at Denver. And full disclosure, I got all the Chiefs teaser exposure I wanted with the Bills when Buffalo was not a double-digit favorite. So, this will be more of a pizza bet for me, but I would like it if I didn't have Chiefs exposure already. I know it's going a bit outside the lines here. Tampa Bay, not a long teaser leg in the sense that we're not crossing through both three and seven. But I think there's a subtle advantage in play here that we don't often see. For the Bucks, they're currently a three and a half point underdog, but that plus three and a half is heavily juiced at minus 120. So if anything, this line is tilting toward moving to three. And with a teaser, we get to neutralize the VIG you're paying the same price to tease the Bucks up seven points, whether that plus three and a half is at minus 120 or at even money. So essentially, we're getting almost seven and a half points for the price of seven. And for good measure, this game has a really low total hitman. You touched on it earlier, some 37s out there, a lot of 37 and a half. That really magnifies the relative value of each point we get in teasing the Bucks up. And bottom line here, uh, if somebody just wants a, a simplified version of the story, we're asking the GOAT, Tom Brady, to stay within 10 points of Mr. Irrelevant. So that's enough of a nudge to get me and play on the Bucks up to plus 10.5. A much simpler handicap with the Chiefs, basically just taking the vastly superior team to do little more than win outright. So Hitman, when it comes to a seven-point teaser, again, good up to minus 140. a 10.5 at the Niners paired with the Chiefs minus 2.5 at the Broncos. What do you think of that one?
0: I mean, you explained it perfectly on if you're going to play a non-long, you're going to play something like that where the total is extremely low, as you said, and the market, it's not three, the Niners, or excuse me, the Bucks aren't three and a half point underdogs in the market. They're 3.25 underdogs in the market. So if you're getting when there's a lot of books that are split right now between having the Bucks plus three, even money or plus three, minus 120 ish you're getting essentially that free half point on the buck's leg you're not getting a seven point teaser on the buck's leg you're getting a 7.25 point teaser on the buck's leg so if you're ever gonna do non-wongs or anything then that would be an example of when it would make logical sense i thought you explained it fine all
1: right, and moving on to that more standard Wong teaser model, two-team six-pointers that we've been playing all season with a bit more success recently. Thank goodness, after the way it started out for the first couple months of the season, I am looking at the Ravens up to plus eight at Pittsburgh, paired with the Eagles down to minus one at the Giants. And with each of these legs, I'm seeing some parallels to that Tampa Bay handicap For the Ravens-Steelers game, a low total, even lower than that Tampa-San Francisco total. 36.5 is the total for Baltimore at Pittsburgh, and that really jacks up the relative value of each point we get and teasing the Ravens up through a touchdown. And with Philadelphia, similarly, I know we're not teasing through the seven if they're currently a seven-point favorite, but that line is juiced towards 7.5. Wouldn't be surprised to see it get there. Apologies to Jacob and his rooting interest in the Giants. But if we see this one tilted towards 7.5, it's a similar case of getting almost six and a half points for the price of six. So me on a bit more of a standard teaser play here. What are your thoughts on the Ravens plus eight at the Steelers paired with the Eagles minus one at the Giants?
0: Probably the best six point look on the board. So I, uh, there's no opposition for me. I especially like the Ravens leg because these two teams literally all they do is play close games. So It's just been the history for years and years with these teams, and uh, there's this is another great year where it seems like neither team has the offensive firepower to really get margin. So completely endorse it.
1: Yeah, that Ravens leg just feels like dynamite right now. A little bit tough to find an optimal second leg for it. I do like the Eagles, but a lot of betters might be considering the Vikings taking them up to plus eight at Detroit. That would be my one.
0: Yeah, that would probably be my favorite look personally, but I bet the Vikings against the spread. So that's why I'm probably not going to get too much exposure on it. But if I didn't have a previous Vikings uh, ATS pick, I think that would be my favorite look personally, but no, no issue with the Philly one.
1: One potential fly in the ointment with Minnesota. That game does have a very high total. We're looking at 52 pretty much across the board. Would that give you any trepidation considering in teasers with underdogs we often want low totals, or do you just see enough of a handicap from the matchup between these two teams that you would still go full speed ahead with Minnesota?
0: Yeah, I mean, the reason I like it more is because I have value on the spread. So I have value on the spread. So, I mean, if I think that the line should be Vikings pick them, Vikings minus one, and the spread is plus two, obviously on my numbers, if you you were just to have the – I do a teaser for my numbers the Vikings would be teased from pick them this plus six but you're teasing them now through seven to get them to plus eight so I just have more value on the Vikings personally as a side which means that I have more value on the teaser but that's just my personal handicap some people think that line's right and then yeah if you think that line's right then no issue with uh, Philly as a second leg
1: Sounds good. And one more teaser like people will be looking at that I feel like we can at least touch on briefly here. Monday Night Football, Arizona hosting the Patriots. The Cardinals can be teased up to plus seven and a half. And that fits the model. I I would just think a fly in the ointment there would be the matchup of Bill Belichick against Cliff Kingsbury. I feel like that just adds an element of variance that I don't usually want when I'm taking an underdog up through a touchdown. Uh, Hitman, where would you rank the Cardinals as a teaser leg on this week's totem pole?
0: But uh, Baltimore would be one Minnesota would be two um, Eagles would be three. And that one would be four. All right.
1: I think we're seeing pretty much eye to eye there. I'm giving a slight nudge to the Eagles, maybe trusting the market a bit more in that Vikings lions game. And maybe that high totals keeping me off the Vikings as a teaser, like just a bit, I'll probably get some exposure as well, but we'll go ahead and give a rapid fire recap of this week's portfolio Hitman on AJ Brown over 71 and a half receiving yards and Austin Eckler under 48.5 rushing yards. Two teasers in pocket as well this week. A seven-point teaser good up to minus 140. Tampa Bay plus 10.5 at San Francisco, paired with Kansas City, minus two and a half at Denver, as well as a six-point teaser, good at minus 120 or better. Baltimore plus eight at Pittsburgh. And let's say officially paired with Philadelphia, minus one at the Giants. At this stage, guys, as we round the corner, let's turn to the hops as we always do. Jacob, what do you have on tap for this weekend?
2: So this weekend, uh, bit of plans. World Cup, as always, is is part of my, my interest in the weekend. But I am going to a, actually a comedy show tomorrow night. I'm going to see Burt Kreischer live. Not sure if you guys have heard of him, but uh, he's pretty popular, I'd say. So unfortunately, as far as the hops go, um, usually arenas don't have the best sort of selection there. So I'll have my eyes out for... Probably just standard stuff like Blue Moon, but I'm hoping at the Scotiabank Arena they do have Creamore. Uh, I don't know if Creamore is, has any sort of popularity in the US whatsoever, but the brewery is about two hours north of where Toronto is. And their lager, as far as lagers go, which I'm not usually the most interested in. I would say it's quite tasty, has a bit more flavor than your standard sort of lager. You have to pay more of a, not necessarily a premium price, but as it comes to lagers, a little bit more expensive there, but worth the money in my opinion. So if, they can, if I can have a Blue Moon or some Cream on draft this weekend at the arena, that will be my go-to.
1: Sounds like a good approach. I'm not going to be seeing a Comedy Special in person this weekend, but I will be watching one that will tie in with my hops experience this evening, my wife and I are planning to check out Sebastian Maniscalco's new special mm-hmm. on Netflix. And my hoppy companion for that viewing experience is going to be a double dry hopped Pliny the Elder. This is a West Coast double IPA made by Russian River Brewing Company out of Santa Rosa, California. clocks in at 8% ABV. And a lot of listeners might know of Pliny the Elder as a legendary West Coast double IPA by Russian River. Slightly bitter, some citrus, pine, and floral notes. And Double Dry Hop Pliny the Elder, basically that legendary OG on steroids with that hoppy flavor. Russian River canned its latest batch recently and delivered it to my doorstep. So I got to say, it is a great day to be alive. Looking forward to some stand-up comedy on my end as well this weekend alongside some Double Dry Hop Pliny the Elder. Hitman, I know last week when we were going through this segment, you said that you don't have a lot of fun on weekends. It's a lot of betting. I know you're going to get to Atlantic City pretty soon here. But tell us something fun that you've got lined up for yourself
0: and perhaps your fiancé this weekend. Nothing this weekend. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, Tuesday, I'm going to uh, New York City. Rare day off for me. Not going to do much betting stuff and going ice skating and seeing the tree and all those lovey-dovey things going to a nice dinner there's a nice bar like that's christmas themed i'm going to the mariah carey concert listening to her talk sing about christmas so i got a, a fun fun day planned where i'll be away from the, the odd screens
1: Oh man, I'm going to need to keep my wife away from you this next few days because that sounds like her ideal way to spend a winter afternoon and evening in New York City. Uh, She's from the East Coast. So if we're ever back there on the holidays, something similar is on our itinerary as well. And with the Tuesday timing. Is that because weekends especially during football season there's just so much going on is Tuesday uh, for yeah. you essentially like a Saturday for a lot of the rest of us
0: Yeah she's got to go by my schedule during football season you know I'm bringing home um, I'm making pretty decent money and uh, she knows the 6 months a year it's, it's it's a different relationship and then for the when football season does calm down from February to July, then I do a lot. I make up for a lot of lost time, but yeah, during football season, it's, um, it's a grind trying to pay off some bills. (laughs) There we go. So Mawai's words from Hitman
1: to take us home. As we wrap up, I want to encourage everybody who is not doing so already to follow him on Twitter at Hitman428. You can also follow me at MLandis18. A quick programming note next week's episode of Between the Lines featuring Suma, Jacob, and myself, likely going to be coming out on Tuesday, a day earlier than usual to accommodate a conflict on my end. Make sure to subscribe to Props and Hops wherever you get your podcasts to have between the lines. Hit your feed as soon as it's published. In the meantime, want to thank everybody for tuning in today and wish you the best of luck. Enjoy week 14 in the NFL, everybody, alongside your betting and beer adventures this weekend.